0: Welcome back to another Inside the U podcast. Visit the website InsideTheU.com, Follow us on Twitter at U, or you can email the show InsideTheUpodcast at gmail.com. This is Christopher Stock, and I'm joined here with David Lake. David, how are you?
1: Good, Chris. Yeah, it was a tough loss for the Hurricanes this weekend, but definitely an interesting game, and I'm excited to get into it here with you.
0: Yeah, so we're just going to focus on the loss, uh, just kind of where, where things are with Miami. Obviously, they lost to Florida state twenty nine twenty four dropped a three and two on the season. Uh, everyone knows the the narrative with the team and now golden, and we're just gonna talk about kind of what we thought about the game and and kind of also moving forward just a little bit just with the program with where it's at and uh david, what I guess just what were your initial impressions? I, I mean the, an, another loss, but uh, just kind of what stood out to you in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, you know, these kind of games, these Miami-Florida State games, come down to uh, big-time players making big-time plays, and as the game progressed, it kind of turned into a Dalvin Cook versus Brad Kaya battle, which was kind of fun to watch them go back and forth, and really, I mean, Florida State, uh, Dalvin Cook. Closed the game out in the fourth quarter with with two straight 23-yard runs. One of them was, you know, 23-yard touchdown to give FSU that final lead. And, uh, you know, Brad had a chance to, you know, come up with a game-winning drive. But, unfortunately, I think his offensive line kind of failed him on those last few possessions. Um, and, yeah, Florida State... W- got got the win uh miami certainly fought back in the game which was good to see but you know unfortunately for al golden he wasn't able to get this signature win against florida state
0: i think if you just take the take your opinions and just if you just look at the game itself 29-24 on the road uh guys played hard and that if you just take that in a nutshell like you know you can live with that but people aren't it's not if we've talked about this before with other losses, this isn't one loss you know it's not it doesn't feel like one loss. It's the again. It's the seven the year before. The twenty two coming into the season. It's just you know now it's six in a row against these guys. And now Golden is zero and five against them. You know people are getting upset and and frustrated with you know the, we've talked about this with Cincinnati game. It just where is the progress? And and you, and you see signs. You've seen flashes. You mentioned you know Brad hung in there, threw for over four hundred yards, and um, you know the the defense held up. You had two receivers, you know Stacy Coley and Rashawn Scott. Just look, you know, very impressive touchdowns that they had and impressive games were tough. And, um, there, I guess there were flashes with the defense here and there, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, just giving up so many yards, but just, you know, you see signs, but it's not about signs at this point. It's not moral victories. It's, they've got to win these games. And it just seems like whenever, you know, and it has been, whenever they get into a game, uh, they, they just can't find a way to win. They, they struggle down the stretch and it's been a reoccurring theme. And, And and this is why so many people are upset and and frustrated and uh, annoyed with with how things are going under Al Golden.
1: It's tough to take because it's also, I mean, the second straight year where Miami had a lead against Florida State in the fourth quarter, and they weren't able to come out with the win. Um, And this season, too, I mean, it's kind of becoming a disturbing trend that Miami's fourth quarter defense is not getting the job done you know we certainly saw that against Nebraska with the 23 point comeback Um, and then Cincinnati they weren't able to get those key stops to give the offense another chance to to kind of get Miami back in the game and then against Florida State like we already touched on Dalvin Cook was able to um, you know rip his way through a Miami defense that kind of looked gassed looked tired while got while Dalvin was just running by guys
0: yeah, Dalvin did whatever he wanted to do, and uh, obviously results looked like he was 100. percent But I, I, he definitely didn't. You know, he obviously came up short on the, that one run with his hamstring, and uh, Miami had no answers. He he was kind of doing whatever he wanted to do. He had on that one uh, the catch for a touchdown. You know, Miami had guys in position, just didn't yeah. make plays, and uh, the defense. It just seems like it's it is. It's a reoccurring theme with the defense. It's uh, they they show signs against teams that are lesser than them, and then when they when they have to go against good opponents, they have a hard time closing them out or shutting them down. And one thing, the biggest thing that was disappointing with that was not just Dalvin went, goes for over 200, because that's obviously a completely uh, disappointing occurrence there. But, you know, quarterback throws for nearly 300 yards. I'm looking at the stats. He's 25 at 33. He had yeah. been looked uncomfortable. We talked about in the podcast leading up to it. I thought he looked uncomfortable. He certainly didn't look uncomfortable in this game. Looked no. very comfortable. Could kind of do whatever he wanted. So it almost like... They, it didn't feel like, even though when the game got close, it never felt like Miami was uh, controlling Florida State or affecting Florida State and what they did. It felt like Florida State was leaving points out there, and Miami just kind of got the, the the score close on on some good offensive plays. But um, you know, and especially that's what exactly exactly what happened at the end. They they didn't do enough to to disrupt Florida State in the, there in the end.
1: The thing that was tough for me with watching the defense was um, on those two. The two uh, big Dalvin plays in the first half with the the speed option pitch, um, I mean, that was a great call by Jimbo Fisher because Miami definitely wasn't prepared for that. They didn't see that coming, but what was tough on that play was seeing Miami's two best players, you know, two of Miami's best players on defense, Dion Bush and Raphael Kirby, kind of mess up that play and, and just, you know, miss the pitch man who was Dalvin. And then... On his touchdown reception, uh, you see Dalvin just outrace Rafael Kirby, which is probably, you know, should be expected to happen. And then Jermaine Grace comes up short on a tackle, and Deion Bush misses a tackle at about, you know, the 10-yard line or so. So, I mean, on those two plays, we're seeing Miami's best defensive players not able to make the big plays to limit Florida State's best player.
0: One thing during the game that I did with the defense is I charted uh, just player reps, how many reps each player got on defense, because I was curious. And we've done this before, David, where, you know, just to see how much uh, how much they're rotating guys, because we talk about all the time and and people that watch the game, they know they know Miami's rotating. But I I want to keep track of exactly how many reps each player had and. Uh, I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to uh, put it on the site, but it was very interesting to me just how many guys play. And, and again, it's it's not the big splits of your starters or your best players aren't playing a lot more than your next guy, which I completely disagree with. Uh, I don't like the rotations at all. I would like to see them, again, because one of the reasons why that happens when you do that is I feel like you stunt the development of your better players, and I've said that before. And um, And maybe that's just what's going on later in the game. Maybe guys just aren't getting in a good enough rhythm and, Um, you know, not playing enough, or I don't know, you've talked about maybe they get tired, even though they're not playing the reps, all the reps, but uh, something's going on late in the games. And and because it it is happening again after again, after again, you know, so um, they'll need to correct that moving forward for sure.
1: With you know, without getting too deep into the reps thing, um, was there a guy, I guess, that surprised you with, you know, maybe the amount of reps he got or the lack of reps he got on the defense?
0: Yeah, I think there's there's one in particular. Well, there, yeah, there's a few ones. So Dallas Crawford, everyone knows, uh he's had his struggles. He did start the game. Um and I think people are having a hard time with Dallas because again, you know, physically he's not making plays and uh you know, he's becoming an issue on big plays. You know, it seems like he's popping out in plays. So, yeah, he started. He played the first, you know, played, you know, in that first series, but then you know, he didn't finish with that many reps. And, and the, the other three safeties played noticeably more than he did. So even though he's starting, he's not the one playing the most. So I think people will uh, maybe come to grips with that and can at least accept that considering the, the criticism he has received. The, the A couple other ones that kind of stood out to me. Jermaine Grace didn't play as much in the first half. You know, Tyreek McCord about twice as many uh, snaps in the first half. And then the second half, it was completely re- reversed. And Jermaine Grace was out there. Nearly every play in the second half, so I think you know you're going to see that moving forward. You know, with Raphael Kirby, Jermaine Grace is your main two linebackers, and then you know with Tyreek, you know you 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 see things that that um, that he's done well in his career. He's made big plays, but. He's really struggling this season. He seems out of position. Uh, he's not closing on plays. He's not playing well in space. And I just think maybe it's time to to to, to again just put. He's more of a rush end. He's more of a defensive yeah. end to me. I think that's what he is. I don't think he plays well in space. And they're trying to fit something that's not working. I think they need to move him back to just a. I think he's just a straight defensive defensive end. You know, yeah. You know, talk about how guys fit in the scheme. To me, he's a four-three. Just put him on defensive end and let him rush. You know, I just think that's how you make the most out of him. And um, they're trying to make it work. And and I I would I would assume that they're gonna you know cut back his his reps based on what we saw in the second half against Florida State.
1: I mean, Tyreek definitely. He seems like he's hesitating. You know, playing linebacker. It's not his natural position. He never really played linebacker till he got. To, to UM and even then it's been a work in progress and and really this season he he does seem uncomfortable and and he is at his best attacking the quarterback um you know wh- one guy we we talked on after the game Chris who who we felt like was very active and and, and kind of had a good game he did miss a sack on Golson uh, but I think he he just for the whole game he 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 played well and that's Alqadine Muhammad um, I guess. Do you agree with that assessment that, that, I mean, I feel like this was probably his best game that he's played at UM?
0: Yeah. And I said that to you right after the game, I didn't even look at the stats. I didn't know how many tackles and and stuff, but yeah, just watching it. And then I, that, after the game was over that night, I actually watched part of it again that night. And it was just a late night for me, but I wanted to see a few extra things because I knew we'd be doing the podcast and just was kind of curious uh, what I thought. But yeah, Muhammad definitely stood out. He played hard. You know, I, I've kind of questioned his ability and um, you know, previous podcasts, but definitely he deserves credit for how he played. And he played hard. Uh, I was watching a lot of off the ball stuff with him, and he's he's trying to get back to the play. Um, I think if you get that from him the rest of the season, you're going to start seeing numbers and, and stats and things pile up. And you know, obviously people are going to look at that play where he blew up the backfield, uh, where he cut you know cut inside the lineman and made a big play there. But overall, his activity level was very high, and um, he got a lot of reps. And it didn't seem like he slowed down. Um, only only Raphael Kirby played more than him on defense. Uh, Muhammad,
1: Muhammad's a guy who plays with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, like you said. Do you do you feel like are there other guys on the defense that maybe they could play more? That kind of bring that same passion, energy, ability like like a Muhammad maybe at a different position
0: that that do or that they need to. Which one?
1: Um, you know, maybe a guy just that that needs to play more. Um, cause I think we're going to see Muhammad play more and more and more as the season progresses. Is there an, another guy on defense like that? Like maybe a Jamal Carter or something like that?
0: Well, yeah, Jamal. And that's the one I was thinking about when I was trying to figure out the question, but yeah, Jamal's a guy that you watch him and he, he, he flashes so much. And, and to me, he's a guy that I think if he got more reps, I think if he's a guy that they trusted more, I think you could see him go from, I don't know. I, I assume he's just an average guy right now, but I think he's a guy that could blossom and and be better uh, all around as a safety um, if he got more reps. You know, he he played less than half the game against Florida State, and that that's I would assume that's how it is most games with him. But I think he's a guy that if you give him more reps, if you if you really trust him, and um, because I think he can bring so much to the defense. I think it's a different look when he's out there. I think he you know he's so athletic and he hits hard and um, he's pretty rangy and. Clearly, he's not the perfect safety. You know, he's got some things he has to work on. Sometimes he misreads the ball in the air, that kind of thing. But um, he, he's a guy I'd like to see get more reps or just um, – or, or definitely, you know, just trust more. But he, I think he's got, you know, a good season still ahead of him. Um, looking at the other guys, everything else was kind of about the same. You know, I, I have a hard time. You know, I hate when Artie Burns isn't on the field. You know, uh, that, third, that third series where, where Florida State's driving down the field – you see, that's the thing with the rotation that gets frustrating, David. And and you you see, you see switches made just because it's time. And I look with already. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't his time to play that series for whatever. Okay. That's what they decide to do. However, when, when it starts getting closer and closer to the red zone. Okay. Now to me, I believe it's time to put already back in the game. They don't. And you know, he just sits that series because it's his time to sit. And I just, when he's not on the field, I, I don't like the, I don't like the defense as much. And because I think he's that much better than Tracy and Corn, and I think he's a yeah. guy that can disrupt things. And uh, I so- agree
1: with you that that Artie does need to be on the field more or all the time. I mean, I mean, he's a great athlete and very—he's you would assume he's in very good condition. But I would say, in general, Chris, I don't know if you agree, but I think the cornerbacks did—you know—did a pretty good job against Florida State in this game.
0: Yeah, downfield especially. If you look yeah. at where, you know, if you look at where Florida State got its passes, it seemed like a lot of it was underneath. or Yeah, uh, to the, which
1: this defense is designed to do. I mean, that's that's what they want, whether or not you like it or not. Um, you know, they keep everything in front of them, and so in that way, I think, you know, the, the corners limited the big plays.
0: So the offense with Miami, uh, again, started slow and looked like they're going to get blown out, and then they kind of get going a little bit in the passing game. It just it just was obvious Joe Yerby wasn't going to get anything going. And I, you know, we talked a little bit. I texted you before the game about Joe. Just I didn't think he was going to have a big game because of again Miami's offensive line, what they were yeah. going against, and and he didn't. And they they you know they end up had 19 carries. Um, one thing did happen that you that you might like, but he did get 15 carries. Mark Walton got one. You know, so that was something. It's sure. a positive that they're going to give him the work. So if you want to take a positive for the running game, I guess you look at that. But he couldn't get anything going. I think the offensive line struggled. I was surprised Brad was able to have the success that he did because it seems like he was getting touched or pressured or felt it. And the offensive line just seemed to struggle in my eyes against Florida State. It was
1: it was a very bad game for the offensive line. I mean, it's the worst, worst game we've seen them play this season. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think – I mean you got to give credit to Florida State's defensive line they had a very good game they're very long they can close the the running lanes quickly cuz they get off gaps or blocks very well um but yeah I mean Brad Kaya was hit I mean at least 10 times it seemed like during that game uh he was just constantly under pressure and um with the offensive line Chris I don't know I mean, do you see any answers? Do you see anything that they can do differently, um, whether that's personnel or scheme, or, or what can they do to to get the offensive line to to be better? Is there anything you see?
0: Well, I think that's a frustrating part because you can't just look at personnel. Now, I know everyone's like, okay, put Casey McDermott in there, and I think that's that's an answer for a lot of people. But you know, I don't think that he's uh, he hasn't shown to be a great player yet. You know, he's got a lot to prove, and yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that's – it's frustrating because of how the offensive line was built. We talk about it. Uh, Trevor Darling is playing left tackle to me. I think to you, he's a natural inside – I think he's a natural guard guy. I think Sonny Odagu is still struggling. You saw it against Florida State, when, and that was when we talked about before the season. Just when, when teams can rush the passer, you know, I think Sonny's going to struggle because of his size and, you know, his ability to get down low enough and, and really handle guys, and I thought he struggled. I thought Tra- to me, those two guys really struggled – um, keeping pressure off, and then up yeah. the middle seemed like every now and again you look up and you know Brad's getting pressure up the middle. It just it just seemed like a collection of issues, and it's hard to say exactly how you can fix it this season. Other than other than other than putting other guys in, you know, it's time to do that. I don't understand why if you're struggling, um, why why not try someone else, see how it works. So I yes, think for you know,
1: me for me like tackle, I don't know what to do there. Other than I mean, because the personnel is what it is. Um, to me, even like the tackles that they do have, they're all right tackles, which you know are are primarily more run blockers than pass protectors. Um, so to me, to fix the issue on on the edges there, I think maybe you'd put a tight end to help block. But I mean, the, this offense isn't designed to be that this year. I think at guard on the inside, I did notice. I mean, it seemed like Alex Gall. Really struggled against Florida State. He had a rough game, and uh, to fix that, I think we might see more Joe Brown in the future. It seems like, you know, Coach Golden, Coach Kehoe are high on on Joe Brown's potential um, as kind of an explosive guard who can who can block. So I think maybe on the inside we see more Joe Brown at tackle. Though I just don't know. I don't know what else they can do.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the the frustrating part again of watching it because. It is what they have, like you said. It's the personnel that they have, and they've got to move ahead. But yeah, I think that certain personnel moves have to move. But you know, you talk about the tight end, but I, I just think that's what you do. You know, I think Standish Dobard—that's where you use him, and the, I think you have him block. I, I think, I think you. I think enough is enough with trying to make all these guys pass receiving tight ends. It, it's just not—they're not making a big enough impact in the passing game, which is just where it's at right now. And I, I just think Standish is a guy that. You should have Block more and, and just have him be a, that extra tackle.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's really the only solution they have right now in terms of helping uh, pass protection off the edge. I, You know, going back to Brad Kaya, Chris, um, you know, going into this podcast, we've been kind of tough on Brad with, with his performances on the road, uh, performances on third down, performance in the red zone. Um, you know he's the quarterback so you gotta you gotta put a lot of that on him how would you assess his game against Florida State
0: yeah it's tough because you look at again if you just look at stats 400 yards three touchdowns no picks that kind of thing right well again they didn't win the game and you know so again that goes to Brad I mean that's just you know they're much better on third downs you know and they had that drive in the third quarter a 17-play drive in the third quarter yeah. where Brad was great. I mean, he, had, he I think he completed four third-down passes on that drive, so he deserves credit for that. I mean, he definitely looked good there, and he got his team. He kept his team in the game, you know, but again – you're 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 basing your your reviews and your opinions on results okay so he again he drops he hasn't beat he's 0-2 against Florida State now fine but then he you know he's two and seven away from Sun Life now you know so you know he's not beating good teams and at some point you know that that falls on the quarterback and uh we, we look so much about oh there's certainly okay look Brad's when I say that Brad's not the main issue okay there's plenty of issues going on with this team why they're not able to turn the corner but for Brad He just has to be better, you know, and, and, you know, he wasn't better than the quarterback at Cincinnati in that game. And then you could argue that Florida State's quarterback was better this one, even though Brad threw for more yards, but Golson was much more efficient, you know, so Brad just has to be better. You know, if you're expecting him to be, you know, add his name to all-time great list and things like that, he has to be better and he has to win games and um, you know, I thought he was fine against Florida State, and uh, he was definitely good, you know, in, in the 400 yards. Again, he kept his team in the game, but he didn't lead him on that game-winning drive. They got stuck in the mud, and um, I, I think he's got to be better. And, again, there's reasons why he's not being a successful. We talked about the offensive line. They have yeah. to be better to help him for sure. But Brad definitely played better in this game than he has than he did against Cincinnati. It just wasn't good enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like you said, the offensive line – did not help him at all. I mean, the whole game. Uh, in the second half, I think we saw kind of what the best of Brad Kaya can be. Uh, and really, I mean, it was it was good to see him. One thing I was very happy about with, with Brad and the passing game in general was getting Stacy Coley going. Uh, you know, this is the Stacey Coley we've expected to see going back to, to the start of last season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Miami certainly made a point of targeting him. I think the first play, their first offensive play of the game, they uh they went to to Stacy and he had like a 22-yard reception, I think. And then, you know, that touchdown, that was just a great play by Stacy. The way he, you know, got significantly hurt enough to to not come back in the game, but he still made the tough catch and held on to the ball. So I I was pleased to see Stacy start making plays again, and I hope that this becomes a trend, because really, if you got Stacy on one side, Rashawn Scott on the other side, uh, this passing attack could be interesting here moving forward.
0: Yeah, I agree, and uh, yeah, you mentioned Stacy. obviously Stacy had a great game, and uh, again, it was good that, because we, we believe so much in Stacy's ability, that it was good Brad found him and found him early, because Stacy's a difference maker, and he's a difference maker in, in a game like this, you know, that's who you go to, you go to your better players, you know, Tyree Brady, you know, had eight Eight targets the week before he didn't have a catch this game, you know. So um, you, you, you want to go to your better players, and Stacy's one of them, and that's good to see him, you know, moving forward because yeah, you you want him involved because of his ability and his uh, he showed it clearly against Florida State.
1: I hope I hope it's not just a matter of taking advantage of what Florida State showed them because I mean one thing I noticed was the most of the plays to Stacy he was lining up in the slot. And in those situations, Florida State's defense, they like to um, have their safety cover the slot guy one-on-one. So, I mean, in those situations, Stacy's always going to win with his speed and, and ability to run routes. And so that was kind of an easy one-on-one play for Brad to, to throw up to Stacey. Um, now, is every defense going to be that confident in their safety's ability to cover one-on-one in the future? Probably not. So... You know, Stacy isn't going to have those kind of looks every week, but he still needs to be targeted like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and then Rashawn Scott, you know, just another big game out of Rashawn and a uh, hundred yards and touchdown. I mean, that play, that touchdown he had. I mean, you're probably going to have a hard time yeah. finding a better touchdown by a receiver or by Impressive. U.M. this season. I mean, it was just great. He he, the way he battled off two guys on the catch. But then, you know, even more impressive after the run, and especially who he did against with Jalen Ramsey, fighting him off for the touchdown. So tough play. And uh, you saw Rashawn after the game. He definitely was dejected. Um, he, he's having a, It looks like he's having a tough time with these losses and frustrated. But his performance was good. Uh, you'd like to see that. And hopefully he continues to be involved heavily each game moving forward because of his ability and because Brad wants to throw the ball so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, it needs to be Rashawn and Stacy, and, you know, it's pretty evident, I think, if you listen to the podcast right now, how high we are on Rashan, And, I mean, both of us think he's very good. I would say as good as Rashawn is, I, I think Stacy's talent is even greater than Rashawn's. So, I mean, those two guys need to be the focal point of the passing offense. And, you know, having both those guys going now will help relieve some of the um, defensive attention that they would see moving forward because defenses have to pick one of those guys most likely to, to, to focus on.
0: So just moving ahead, we're going to answer some questions also here at the end, but just real quick, just moving ahead. Uh, Miami's got Virginia tech and again, Miami drops to three and two and, you know, people are frustrated, but you know, they, they have more opportunities to get wins and they're going to have to do it. I mean, it's, it's clear and it's evident that the frustration level is at an all time high. I uh, really can't think of it being worse than it is now, to be honest. and, um, they'll have opportunities. They say they're going to come together, and they want to see Florida State again um, in the ACC title game. Well, let's see it. You know, this team has been a lot of talk and not much delivering. So we'll we'll see how we'll see how they do because they'll have opportunities to to prove themselves.
1: Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, you know, I think going into the Florida State game, we all expect to see the best from Miami. I mean, we've seen that every year. You know, even though Al Golden's gone zero and five against Florida State. We kind of see Miami get up for that game, which they should. It's these Virginia Tech type of games where, you know, Virginia Tech's not having the greatest season right now, but that necessarily hasn't equated to a Miami win um, in these types of games in years past. So we need to see Miami handle their business against a team like Virginia Tech rather than play down to that competition level. Now, Virginia Tech still has talent, but it's not those Virginia Tech teams that, that we were used to seeing when they were really true on the field rivals with Miami in the past. Um, so yeah, I mean, moving forward, these Virginia tech type games, these are the games that Miami has to win if you know, they're going to achieve that goal, that stated goal of, uh, winning the coastal division this year.
0: All right, let's get into questions and let's just start real quick with this one. Kane BG 21 says, why can't Miami have that killer instinct to finish off a team? Is it the players or the coaches? Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we've touched on it on podcasts, but to me it just looks like they're tired out there, which is very – it's hard to see that because, I mean, they're rotating so much they shouldn't be tired. But they look a step slower than they do in the first half in the fourth quarter. So whether it's just mentally being fried out at the end of the game or just physically tired, uh, that's kind of what I go to now with the fourth quarter
0: struggles. Yeah, and I think with the question of is it players or coaches? Look, it's both. You know, that's uh, yeah. blame, plenty of blame to go around because it's not the job's not getting done uh, on in multiple games. So I think it goes with both, and we can we we seem to talk so much about kind of reasons why, but yeah, they they don't have it, um, and they haven't shown it. So uh, and again, hopefully they'll have more opportunities to show that they that they do and reverse that trend. But it's definitely been an issue for a variety of reasons, or for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, the best players uh, that Miami's been facing in the fourth quarter have been making big plays. So, I mean, whether, like I said, whether it's just mentally taking some plays off, being lackadaisical in the fourth quarter, which is, you know, appalling because that's when you should be the most focused, or you're just physically tired in the fourth quarter, it's an issue that needs to be remedied quickly.
0: And then there's this is next question. And, you know, it's kind of multiple questions want to know about the offensive line. Uh, let me pull it up real quick here. But just, um, Ghost wants to know, this is how he starts. He says, sanctions have really started to show up on our very young offensive line. Minus Isidore's 13 starts. We have very little proven starter talent. Here's some questions and just kind of pick out what you want to answer or go with. But do you feel that the, offense, the lack of awesome offensive line classes in 2013 and 2014 are starting to show this year? Plus to add that 2015... The four-star offensive tackles haven't been able to help this year at all. Do you see them getting any better as the year progresses with the huge 2015 offensive line? Do you feel that, that they have the pieces to be great in 2016? Look, a lot of a lot of classes to keep track of 2013, 14, 15, 16. He's talking about just I guess just look at it like we talked a little bit, but just do you see what, what do you see with the talent level? Is there any help coming up? Um, maybe even in, in in future years or. Or what, well, what do you see?
1: The main issue, I think with their offensive line recruiting has been uh, recruiting tackles. So you know they they ended they did get Casey McDermott, who is a um, highly touted tackle. I personally think Casey's more of a right tackle or even maybe a guard, honestly. Um, you know, I, I just I mean, we talked about it earlier. I don't see any true left tackles on the roster right now. I think of the young guys that they signed in this most recent 2015 class, I think your best hope is Tyree St. Louis. Um, so he has some talent. I mean, he he's a guy, but the thing with, with offensive line is you really do need one or two years to develop. It's a totally different position in college than it is in high school. Um, so much more technique required. So much strength is required. Um, you gotta reshape your body most times when you get to college from high school. So to count on things to be turning over quickly with the offensive line, I think that's tough to expect. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say, just in the Al golden era, the offensive line recruiting probably hasn't been where it needs to be in terms of you gotta get those tackles. you gotta get one or two tackles every year because if they don't pan out, um, and you've only been taking, you know, one every every couple of years, then you're gonna see results like this that we're kind of seeing now.
0: So Miami Hoyas goes on a little bit of a rant here, rambles about why certain players aren't getting more playing time. But one guy he mentions that I that I like to talk about even more. But just Trayon Gray was a name. You know why why is he not? playing you know he feels like he's better than mark walton and we've talked about trey before uh again we we while we thought changes might happen we didn't necessarily think it'd be this florida state game do you expect trey to be more involved moving forward or do you think now that we've seen you know do you think this is what they'll go with and joe is a true, true number one and not many carries for number two and three
1: yeah it's tough to say i mean i i, I still think they will rotate um yeah, I mean, against Florida State, it's pretty clear they just wanted to to put the ball in Joe's hands, which I kind of agree with. Um, in terms of Mark Walton and Trayon Gray, yeah, I mean, really, the talent level is not that much different between them. Um, the coaches seem to trust Mark Walton uh, more than they trust Trayon Gray, so maybe there's some things going on in team meetings or behind closed doors that that we just don't know about with Trayon which is why he's not playing as much as Mark but yeah i mean i would like to see Trayon get an opportunity particularly in the red zone inside the 10 he can be that big back that you know frankly al golden loves those big backs um so yeah i mean i do i still believe that that miami will give trayon a chance at some point this season and i think when he does get that chance he'll he'll do a pretty good job
0: yeah, what's interesting, I mentioned that, you know, Joe had 15 carries, Mark just won. But what, we, we'd we been wanting to see that out of the, the splits because um, when Joe's going well, you know, you want to see more of Joe. And, and Joe clearly, it seems like just the opposite happened where Joe struggled in this game, yet he kept getting carries. I I kind of believe, you know, offensive line clearly was issues. But I wonder, you know, sometimes if you want to throw in another running back, maybe that'll maybe it'll, just in that game is seeing it a little bit better just to give the defense a different a different look. Uh, I, I wouldn't have objected to seeing Treyon or even Mark get a little bit more carries when, when Joe wasn't able to get it going. So um you know it just it just seems like, you know, when Joe has it going, they don't give him enough carries and now when Joe struggles he gets all the carries. So hopefully they can find some sort of medium and and uh middle ground to to get the most out of their running back situation. But Trayon, yeah, I expect him to get uh more involved moving forward. Uh the parody wants to know what defensive adjustments do you see from our staff during the second half of the FSU game? And then says, would you please ask our staff to make these adjustments after the first quarter from now on? Um, do you want to? I, I can just jump on real quick about the defensive yeah. adjustments because, you know, again, when I charted, when, when I watched the, def- the defense, there were a few things that kind of stood out. Again, adjustments, playing time. Tyreek McCord did, was nearly invisible in the second half. They went with Jermaine Grace. Uh, so there's an adjustment there to decide to go with Jermaine. Uh, was in a better flow of it, so you get a little bit more. Well, definitely you get more speed there in the at the linebacker spot, and you can see why with Dalvin Cook was going so well. So, uh, and Jermaine's also a better tackler, so I think that's why that adjustment was made. Um, other adjustments I saw, it looked like they wanted to go a little heavier up front at times. Um, sometimes it looked like they were even going like three defensive tackles uh, with one end, and um, I thought that was an adjustment that was made to try to bulk up the line a little bit, try to um, again try to disrupt the running game. And then just adjustments in general, you know, kind of throughout the game. Maybe it wasn't an adjustment, but just a technical thing that you saw. Very often you saw Muhammad and Chad Thomas, two defensive ends. Very often you saw them next to each other, you know, with, with what they wanted to run off the edge there. Um, just a combination of two defensive ends next to each other, which I thought was interesting because, again, it's not typical. Typically you go, obviously, defensive ends, and then your tackle's in the middle and the end's on the outside. So I thought that was interesting. But adjustments, you know, again, they, they, they did make a few. It just wasn't enough. And, um, again, because, you know, the adjustments that were made weren't clearly enough because, again, the whole game, it looked like Florida State could do whatever they wanted to do, uh, passing and throwing or passing and running. And I think uh, you have to go into a game like that with some sort of plan of trying to stop one. And um, if you if you let them get going on both ends like they did, it'll be tough for your defense to slow them down.
1: Yeah, and I think you nailed it. Just in terms of their reaction to the first half, um, it seemed like, obviously, they, they really wanted to bulk up the D-line and take away the run. So Dalvin Cook had some monster runs, monster plays in the first half. And so they bulked up their D-line. They, they put three D-tackles and one D-end out there at times. And, you know, at, at times it looked like it was kind of working for them until, like we touched on the fourth quarter, two, two straight 23-yard runs by Dalvin. So, But the issue, I guess, the issue that popped up when they went with those big defensive lines um, became is it fast enough then to get to the edge? Can, can these big D, li- D lines, you know, take away the edge runs for Dalvin? And, you know, that's where Dalvin's at his best. He gets to the edge before the defense, and, and then you're kind of screwed. So, yeah, I mean, those were the adjustments. You know, you, you can argue whether or not they worked. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the first quarter clearly, I mean, Miami had their head spinning on, on that uh, speed option play. And, uh, yeah, so definitely got better after the first quarter. But like we touched on again, in the fourth quarter, it just wasn't good enough. you got to make key stops.
0: And final question, Hurricane Lee wants to say or wants to know, do you think Golden will be here next year?
1: Uh, No, I would say no. Um, I don't think – I expect more of the typical – Um, seasons we've kind of seen in the past under Al Golden. I mean, we kind of have a four-year sample size now um, of, you know, Golden dropping games like we've already seen this year against Cincinnati, teams that Miami should beat. Um, I kind of expect more of that this year. I think the only thing that could save Al Golden's job is if they do get to the ACC championship game. And so I think, you know, from what we've seen in the past, I think that's going to be tough.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Because again, what we've seen in the past uh, and with where things are at with this program in terms of the negativity surrounding everything. And I just want to touch on something because I, I feel passionate about it, David. And I know I say this to you a lot. I really get tired of everyone or, or people or uh, that criticize the fans for how they react to the losses or to react to the results. Um, I think fans are, are deserve to to feel how they want to feel and if they're mad they're mad you know i i don't understand all this stuff about how how people focus on on just that and how the fans react and and how the fans should do this and that and they don't show up for a game look win games you know provide better results and and, and these this the the banner stuff and all that to me that started last year after results weren't there look everyone was all in a lot of people were all in on al golden the first year the second year every you know in the in the, in the crowd you're seeing fans wear the tie and um, you know just a- everyone was all in on out look results haven't been there fans are just reacting uh, focus on why uh, the results aren't there hopefully um, by listening to this podcast seeing our website we give you at least some reasons why we think you know right or wrong but at least we're giving some reasons why we think things aren't working out um, as opposed to just just going straight to the fans and saying how they're terrible and it's coming from all over it's not just media members it's not just people at um it's not just other fans it just seems like it comes from everywhere and um I'd, again, fans keep reacting how you want to react, and uh, you know because you're just reacting to res- results. I just wanted to touch on that real quick.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's you know year five under Al Golden, and the results aren't there, and, and really, it's been a decade of kind of kinda mediocre results. So I certainly understand why the fans are unhappy, and you know I don't I don't get mad at at the way that they want to voice those opinions too, whether that's with banners or however they want to voice it, because I mean, really, let's be real, all the negative attention that the banners get, you know, with people saying, why are they doing, you know, it's still attention. It's shining a light on a situation at UM that's not ideal. So, I mean, really, the banners are kind of working, (laughs) Sure. whether or not people like it.
0: And I think, you know how it is as a fan, you know, you you watch games and you feel helpless with the results and you feel like you don't have any control over what's going on. And, and so I think this is a way that there, you know, certain people, you know, not everyone is is doing the banner thing, but I think that's just yeah. how they feel. They feel like they can, at least it's a voice it's being heard. I know some people will email the athletic director and post things on Twitter and all this other stuff and, um, it, or, or just show it by not showing up. But I, I think that UM's, um, you know, reaction to people not showing up is like, oh well, Miami fans don't show up anyways when we're winning, so what's it matter? So I think this is a different way to show your voice, because you want your voice to be heard as a fan, and I think that's what's going on right now. And again, it's all comes back to the results. They're all just reacting to results and uh, and frustration of of how things have been over the the four plus years under Al Golden.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about it too. Just you know, at this point. Fans aren't asking for much. I think fans are asking for you know ten win seasons. Fans are asking to get to the ACC championship game, and really that's not asking too much because let's be real, the ACC is not the greatest football conference. And yeah, I mean that those those are realistic expectations. I feel like at UM.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, everyone you know again media and whatnot want to point to things are different with recruiting and. All these school, other schools are coming down and plucking guys, and you can't get the guys that you typically could. And how things have changed. And look, that might be all. That that might all be well for a discussion about winning a national title. That is not where we're at right now with the, evaluating the Miami program. That has nothing to do with beating Duke for a division title. That has nothing to do with beating Virginia and Pitt and schools like that, or, or North Carolina, or or finding a way to get past a Georgia Tech uh, team that runs the, the often the triple option. So. Let, let's start with that. you know, why is Miami not able to win their division against those teams? Does Miami not have more talent than those teams? Do they not have enough resources to beat those teams? You know and, and I would say they, they absolutely do and, and that's yeah, where the frustration starts. Not, let's not talk about where Alabama or Auburn or the LSU or these other school Oregon and these other what those guys are doing, just start on a small sample size and, and bottom line is Miami is not getting the job done uh, against their peers in the coastal division.
1: Yep, I couldn't have said it better.
0: Thanks again for listening. Uh, again, check out the website, insidetheyou.com. Find us on Twitter, at InsideTheYou, or email the podcast at podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for your support. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you.